Amen. You guys doing good? All right. Well, it's an honor to be here with you guys back home. This is my, my hometown. Lived here until about uh, five years ago, and then my wife and I, well, I met her over there, but we moved to Austin, Texas, and uh, we helped launch a ministry there with my friend Rick called Heart of David, and uh, we've been going for the last five years, and we have a school of ministry. We have students that come from all over the world to be trained in worship and prayer and missions, and uh, we also have a global network. We have uh, different churches and leaders and houses of prayer all over the world that are connected with us, where we're helping equip and strengthen the global body of Christ. In fact, this is incredible. Just recently, we were emailed by a pastor in Myanmar, which used to be called Burma. You guys, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Myanmar. Not a lot of people are familiar with it because it's one of the most closed nations in the world. It's one of the most closed off nations. I think they're on like top five most closed nations to the gospel. And uh, they just got internet for the first time within the last five to ten years. They've just gotten internet and this guy is hungry for the Lord. He goes on the internet and he goes on YouTube and he starts researching worship and prayer and, and nations and he finds our little ministry in Austin and emails us and he's like, I am pastor, I can't even say his name, in uh, uh, Myanmar, I want to connect with you guys and run with you guys. And so we've connected with them. Uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to be in India later this year and he's going to meet us there. We're going to take a team. Imagine this. We're going to take a team to Myanmar, one of the most closed nations on the face of the earth. And we're going to gather as many of the pastors and leaders that are in that entire nation and uh, just spend a week pouring into them and, and training and equipping so we do a lot of stuff like that, really just equipping the body of Christ, specifically in the, in the place of worship and prayer, and then from the place of establishing a culture of worship and prayer, going out in missions and evangelism. Like Pastor David said, we've, we've been able to do it. We've had incredible crusades around the world, in the Philippines. Uh, actually, like a month and a half ago, I was in the same rooms in Cochabamba, Bolivia, we did a, a worship conference. We were just there. And, and uh, so we, we've actually been to about 30 nations, and we go to about 15 or 17 a year uh, in, in, in six, uh, six continents. Uh, just between Rick and myself, Heart of David, we go to 30 different nations and like almost 30 different states a year, going around the world, just stirring, equipping the body of Christ, meeting with leaders, uh, leading people to the Lord, ministering to the body of Christ. And it's a uh, it's been awesome, and what's incredible, I don't know if you guys know this, CityGate has been a financial supporter. You guys have helped us at time with different projects and, and big trips. So I, I really want to thank and honor you guys because you guys have helped us go to I mean, India, uh, Israel. You've helped us go to the Philippines. We, every time we go to the Philippines, we actually preach to thousands of people. And while we're there, we go to some of the worst slums and uh, uh, slums and orphanages in the world, but mostly the slums. Uh, there's about 30,000 homeless people in this one area of the Philippines, and more than half of that are little children from the age of like 12 and under. They live in the streets. So their parents will get a job in Indonesia or somewhere else, and they'll just leave their kids there. Most of the children in the Philippines are, are malnourished, and they're kidnapped. And we actually have gone to these places. They're kidnapped. And they become sex slaves at five years old, and they're fed a hamburger a day. 
to, it's ridiculous. It's like the worst, most atrocious human living conditions. In fact, it's considered the worst slum in the world. It's in Manila. It's called Smoky Mountain. And it's literally a mountain of trash where 30,000 people live. And the reason they call it Smoky Mountain is because they burn the trash. They just burn it, and the ashes fall on the people. And the government has just given up on these people, and they just kind of leave them in this section over there. And so we take teams. So during the, like, you know, at night, we're doing crusades or doing services. We do, like, 24 hours of nonstop prayer when we go to these nations, and we'll do 50 hours of nonstop worship and prayer. And we'll go to the slums and the orphanages, and so we, we go to this place, and most of the people there are home, I mean, are children. They're little kids. Most of them don't have clothes. I mean, they're, they're walking around naked. They're stepping on glass. Some of them get kidnapped. They become sex slaves at five years old, and they're fed a burger a day. And so we work with people that go and re-kidnap the kids, but for like, you know, they go in and they break the kids out, and, and they have these homes, and it's like, it's like ridiculously cheap. I think it's $1,500 or something like that to buy a house in Manila, well, this is in Cebu, and, and they buy houses, and, and they, they begin to rehabilitate the kids, and they lead them to the Lord, and they teach them about the gospel, and we help uh, uh, purchase bicycles, and so what we do is we'll go to the slums, and we will throw these kids, like the most intense, wild Christmas meets birthday meets Easter party that they've ever had in their lives. These kids have like never, no one's ever like been like, hey, you're a nice guy, I, I like you. And, and, and so we like, uh, uh, we'll take flip-flops because it's like, it's like a thousand million degrees and a trillion percent humidity. So that's all you want to wear. We'll take flip-flops and candy and, and we'll just, we'll literally just throw them a party. And like Rick will go and, and we'll just take out the ukulele and we'll just dance and we go nuts. And, we, and you got like naked, smoked out, covered babies like jumping on you because no one's ever danced with them before. And then we sit them down. And we preach the gospel to them. And almost every time, the entire village that we go to gets saved. They'll get saved. And then we'll pray for people to be healed. And, and people start getting free from different things. And, and then we'll connect them with the local ministries and the local churches to begin to help uh, with discipleship. So we get to do this stuff all over the world. A few years ago in Ecuador, we got the opportunity. And again, you guys have been a part of helping us do this consistently throughout the years. We took uh, our students to Ecuador where we work with a lot of ministries there, but we had the opportunity to actually go and spend an entire day with a leper, in a leper colony. So I've never been to a, a leper colony, but we went to this leper colony and uh, we did a service and we literally bought them a month's worth of groceries and, and went to each of their little houses and we literally spent an afternoon with lepers just praying and ministering and we just we did a little concert for them. And so I want to thank you guys as a son of the house, as somebody who really... I, I would say cut my teeth in learning about prayer and worship and, and being marked with this idea that this that Jesus was worthy of the love of the nations. Like think about this. Like Jesus is worthy of the love of Iraq. Jesus is worthy of the love of Indonesia. Jesus is worthy of the love of these nations. And I was marked as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. I remember going on 21-day fast, but having McDonald's milkshakes every day on the fast and coming to church. But I was marked here. I was marked, you know, under the leadership of, of Pastor David. And you guys now get to help support what we get to do. It's, it's incredible. Let me tell you one cool story real quick, and then we'll jump into Malachi chapter 1. It's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. 
You know, it's incredible the, the hour that we're living in right now in human history. I think we're living in the greatest hour. We're about to see the greatest things we've ever seen. We've just been invited to Indonesia to minister. We're going to go next year. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world by population. There are so many Muslims in Indonesia. It makes it the largest Muslim country. But so many people are being saved right now at such a rapid rate that scholars are saying that by 2022, 2025, it's going to become a majority Christian nation. Can you imagine? Which we're talking about in the next five years, it's possible that the nation of Indonesia is going to become a majority Christian nation. And, and people are getting saved at ridiculous rapid rate. And so we got invited to preach. Well, I'll tell you this. So our friends lead this massive network of prayer in Asia. They're based in the Philippines. And every year they gather people in different Asian countries to pray predominantly with youth. So, they, so it was, you know, they were inspired by Lou Engel and McCall. And, and, and it, it's like crazy. Like their first ever one, they had like 500,000 people, young people show up in the Philippines. And these guys are wild and hungry and they love God. And so they had a day of prayer for young people in Indonesia. And um, this is the, like the craziest thing. Every time, I've said it a million times and it always just provokes me. In order to facilitate the prayer meeting, it wasn't a concert, there was no fancy speaker, it was just a time to pray for Indonesia, they had to rent eight soccer stadiums to host one prayer meeting. Because so many young people showed up to Jakarta, the capital, to pray and believe God for Indonesia. And so Rick and I, we've been invited to go minister in Jakarta, in the capital. And they said, you know, we want you guys to come. We're like, of course. Like, but we want to warn you, it's a little different here. And they said, because of the amount of people that are getting saved right now, we have to have 10 church services a day, every day. Could you imagine? And I was like, What? I mean, just the idea of preaching twice on Sunday is like, oh my God, I'm going to have to go on vacation next week. Ten services a day, every day, because Muslims all across the nation of Indonesia are finding Jesus. And, they're and most of them, they've never heard a thing about Jesus. And I don't want to trip you out. And the craziest thing is, it's not just missionaries that are going and preaching to them. These Muslims are having dreams about this man that they've been told to completely avoid. Like, don't, you don't want anything to do with Jesus. And he's crazy. And Jesus is coming to dreams and preaching the gospel to them. Guys, this is happening in our day. And what's crazy is we get to be a part of it. And, and, you know, and not all of us get to go, and not everybody's called to go, but we get to be a part of it right here by simply just living our lives in agreement with the reality that God is worthy of the nations. Do you know that literally from your, from your living room, from your car ride in your bedroom, you can literally make history with God and impact the nations of the world by simply choosing to live in agreement with the revelation that Jesus Christ is eternally worthy to receive the nations of the earth as an inheritance. Think about this. We'll look at this. We'll look at two texts real quick. But you know, there's going to come a moment. We, you know, we talk about a lot 
when we die and we come before the Lord and the Lord rewards us and we receive our rewards and the Lord gives us that attaboy for faithfulness. But do you know that there's actually going to come a time in history when the Father is going to reward the Son of God for his faithfulness. Think about this. We're going to look at this here in context in a second. But there's literally, there, there is a moment set aside in Kronos time where the Father is actually going to judge the works of the Son. And we know His works. God's going to say, you're faithful. I love you. You're amazing. I will give you anything that you want. Imagine what would even be considered a just reward for the sufferings of Jesus. What, what would, in the mind of God, while God is communing with God, what would God consider justice? He's saying this is a just reward for the cross. This is a just reward for years of faithfulness. Can you imagine that for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been the greatest intercessor alive? So we get to do that. You get to do that. You get to participate in this. You know, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and for the last 2,000 years, he has been the earth's chief intercessor. He's led a 2,000-year-long prayer meeting, and he's only prayed for one thing. Well, he's prayed for a few things, but I could summarize it in this. He simply said, Father, give me the nations as an inheritance. Think about this. Right now, in heaven, there is a prayer meeting and Jesus is actually praying for the city of Fort Myers. Right now, he's doing it. He's praying for Fort Myers. He's praying for Cape Coral, Estero. And what we get to do is simply say, I agree with that prayer, and I want to play my part in seeing the fulfillment of Jesus' desire. I think Jesus deserves Indonesia. Right? I, I believe it. I believe Jesus deserves Iraq. I believe Jesus deserves Colombia and Cuba and China. And so some of us, the way that we play that role is that we get to go. Some of us get to financially help send, but all of us get to pray. All of you. And I want to tell you something. There is, a, you could pray for 20 hours with great intensity, or maybe you have capacity to pray for 30 minutes with little intensity. It doesn't matter all these prayers, all this intercession and belief and standing in agreement is literally being filled up in a golden bowl in heaven. And there's going to be an hour where the Lord begins to tip those bowls and he's going to prepare entire nations. Guys, we're seeing it in unprecedented rates. I shared this the other night in India right now. There's 133 million different gods in India. Can you imagine? Everywhere you go, there's either a god or a shrine to a god. There's no McDonald's and they can't eat burgers over there because the cow's a god. So our friend from India, every time he comes to America, he asks that whoever's picking him up greets him with two Baconators. So you can't eat pork and you can't eat meat, so he like indulges as soon as he gets to America. So 133 million gods. And so, you know, we've been praying and believing for India. And right now there's this like wild group of young people that have quit their jobs and they've, they've quit college. And they've given themselves as missionaries to their own country. And they are believing for 24-7 prayer to exist in 90 cities this year in India. 
And, and from that place, they're doing mass evangelism, preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved at probably the greatest rate in the history of the nation of India during the time of probably some of the, the most intense persecution and restrictions that exist. But I want to look at this real quick in Malachi chapter 1. It's my favorite verse. I would never name my son Malachi because then the rest of my children would know that that's my favorite son. So, Malachi 1, but if I only had one son, that's what I would name him. I, I don't know. So look at this. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of context. God is speaking to the priesthood of his day. And essentially, the, the message that the Lord has given, the way I could summarize it, the message that he's given the priesthood is this. Your worship is perverted or your worship is polluted. And this is what he's saying in today's context. You sing all the right songs, but what you sing is not the reality of your heart. It's essentially what he's saying in today's vernacular, in today's context. You show up to everything, you do everything right, but it's not the reality of your heart. And what he's saying is this, more than just service, more than just singing the right songs, I actually really care about your heart. And this is incredible that the God of the universe who holds the whole universe at the palm of his hands, the brightness of his glory is going to give light to the whole world in the age to come. This God who sustains the whole world by the word of his power actually really, really cares about and considers how we feel about him. This is crazy. God cares. God thinks about. It actually, it, it moves his heart and he he really occupies himself with, I wonder what Billy over here in, in pew number three, I really care about what he thinks about me. I really care about how he feels about me. And I want more than just the right song. I actually want him to mean that he loves me when he says he loves me. And, and, and so this is, this is an important message. God actually wants to be loved by you. This is why we're going for the nations. It isn't just like, we got a thousand saved. No, Jesus actually wants to be loved by the nations because he loves the nations. Our God doesn't just love, he actually wants to be loved. God wants to be pursued. God wants his heart to be touched. Think about this. We as frail, broken little human beings, we get to actually touch the heart of God and move it. Imagine you in your weakness have the invitation and the, the ability to bring pleasure to God's heart. Just this morning, just singing out to the Lord and standing up. Do you understand that that little action just, it makes the, that was the joy set before him. It's what makes the cross worth it to Jesus. So he's speaking to the priesthood and he's saying, look, you guys, you do everything right, but it's not the reality of your heart. And he's correcting them. And then it's just crazy. In the middle of this fourth chapter correction, he stops. And he lets out this prophecy about this future time in human history. And look at what he says in verse 11. I, I, I think you guys read out of the ESV. I read out of the New King James. I'll just read what's there. For from the rising of the sun to its setting. You know, he's saying day and night, night and day. This is going to be a a 24-7 reality. It's not just going to be contained in, in a Sunday morning. This is going to like fill the whole earth. It says, my name will be great among the nations. 
Do you know that one day the name of Jesus is going to be great in the midst of ISIS camps? Anybody believe that this morning? Come on, one day the name of Jesus is going to be great in Japan. Do you know that less than 2% of the population of Japan believes in Jesus? Less than 2%. One day the name of the Lord is going to be great in China and the walls of communism are going to come crashing down at the revelation of the name of Jesus because people are going to wake all over the earth that they just love his name. There is no political power. There is no force of darkness. There's nothing in this world that could stand up to an entire people that love the Lord's name. I'm telling you, you just just being you here in, in your town can make history. You could change the spiritual landscape of this city by faithfully loving the Lord's name. So he says, my name is going to be great among the nations. Every nation, right? And he says, and in every place, incense. And you can look at incense like this, passionate worship. He says, in every place. And, and I remember uh, we were in South Korea earlier this year in Seoul. And, and I was sitting there in worship meditating on this. And and the Lord just brought me back to these verses. And he said, Jose, consider that when people like Malachi were prophesying this, do you know that there was only one little sliver of the entire earth that worshipped God? Think about this. When Malachi was written, the only place that you could find worship to the Lord was in Israel. This is the idea of like nations that hadn't even been created. There was no such thing as South Korea at this point. There was no Kenya. There was no Bolivia. There was no, there was none of these nations existed. And this prophet is seeing this vision of all these nations of America. I mean, when I read this verse, I am convinced God had you and I in mind. Imagine that 3,000 years ago, friends. God was dreaming. What does God dream about? What does he think about? 3,000 years ago, God was dreaming about your worship. Can you imagine? It's like a father up there, and he's like, oh, in 3,000 years, what's the name of the sweet couple that we honored today? Orpha and Alan. Like, can you imagine 3,000 years? Like, one day there's going to be this faithful couple in Fort Myers. And even now, 3,000 years ago, they bring pleasure to my heart. I can't wait till they're alive. Because already I can see the great things that they're going to do in their generation. And he's dreaming. God is dreaming about, or yes, he's dreaming about the things that City Gate is doing in, in, in Bolivia and all these different nations. Is my name. It's going to be great. And impurance is passionate worship. Love, real, not just religious love, but like real for real. Like even the emotion of love for me, it's going to be found in every place of the world. Oh, I remember what I was going with that. So I was in South Korea, and the Lord said, consider, like, you, just by being in South Korea worshiping, are literally seeing biblical prophecy being fulfilled. Right? You're in a foreign nation that was completely alienated from the Lord 3,000 years ago, had no idea of God, and they love me. They love me. These guys are crazy. We went to this church. Their worship service on Sunday is seven hours. And I asked the pastor, I said, How, why? Don't you guys like lunch? 
And he said, well, you know, we started the church and we didn't try to go for seven hours. So we had all these fiery young people. And our first Sunday, we just started worshiping. And then when we were done, we looked, it had been seven hours. We're like, well, that was weird. And we came back the next week and it happened again. And it's been happening for 10 years. These, and these people are raising their children in a culture where all they know is God is worthy of the most extravagant and expensive love. Now, I'm not just talking about expensive with money. I'm, the most, you know, the greatest commodity that we have is time. And it's happening in Seoul, South Korea. You know that we were at the border of Seoul and, and of South and North Korea the day, worshiping and praying, the day before Kim Jong-un reached out to President Moon. And across the wall of all the churches in South Korea, they have their vision statements. And one of them at every church is, one Korea. We will pray for a one Korea. And so we're seeing it. So my name's going to be great. Uh, incense, pure, passionate worship is going to be offered to my name. And a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. So, so think about this. There is coming a time where the entire earth, the prophet Habakkuk says it, where the knowledge of the Lord's glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Right? And like our vernacular, Jesus' name, and not just his name as a historical figure, but the glory, the majesty, the awe, the beauty, the revelation of his name is literally going to cover and fill the whole earth. And we literally get to play a small part in that. Some of us get to go. Some of us get to fund. Some of us get to pray. All of us get to pray. What I want to do this morning as I close in prayer is I want to challenge you guys, if I may, as a young 29-year-old who grew up in this church, to, to begin to take your time serious, the time that the Lord has given you. And to say, Lord, I want to devote 30 minutes a day. I want to devote an hour a day or, or 15, whatever capacity that you have to global missions. And I want to do my part as a member of CityGate. And I want to commit to pray for the city. You know, sometimes missions isn't flying to another nation. Sometimes missions is going to places like Philadelphia or New York. You know that that entire northeast corridor of the United States has the same percentage of believers as the nation of Japan. Less than 2% of that whole area believes in Jesus. Commit to pray for these places. Begin to commit to pray for Indonesia and India and these different nations. Because friends, right now, you could read this in Psalm 2 in your, in your time when you get home, but right now in heaven, this is what Jesus is doing. Somehow, because he's God, he's literally having an unbroken, unceasing prayer meeting for Fort Myers, while at the same time having one for Indonesia and having one for India, and having one for Cuba. And he's just simply looking for people that say, God, I agree. I agree with that prayer. So why don't I pray for us real quick. Well, Father, can I invite you guys to stand with me? Is that all right? You guys mind standing? <coughs> why don't we pray? And I want you just to just take inventory in your heart. Let's just close our eyes for a second. I, and, and, and if this is okay, I just want to ask you guys, just you before the Lord, if, if you feel stirred about this and you're sitting there, you're like, man, I, I want to do my part. Yeah, I can't go to the nations, but I can pray. I want you just right where you are in your heart, make a commitment before the Lord. Whatever capacity you have, 
to say, God, I'm going to pray 30 minutes, an hour, 15 minutes. Maybe some of you, you have the capacity, you could pray for five hours. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be big. You just, you just got to have faith and just really believe, Jesus, you're worthy of the nations. But Father, I thank you this morning for the revelation that your son is worthy of the nations. Father, he's worthy of the most far away nation, and he's worthy of the city block across the street. And Father, we thank you that you are going to give the nations of the earth as an inheritance to your son. You're going to give the whole earth. And God, that means Fort Myers. That means Lee County. It's going to start here. And Father, I pray today that you would raise up a people out of Citygate, out of Fort Myers, that would believe and stand in faith in the place of prayer until every nation sings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. It's been an honor to be with you guys this morning. Thank you very much.